Well, good evening, and a warm welcome to the service this evening. Uh, good to have uh, one or two visitors with us as well again, and uh, we pray that we'll know God's blessing together as we meet here, and also uh, we give a warm welcome uh, to those who are, who are tuning in uh, online. As in a cat, you could wish in a chin fatter courage, when you eat a hashin a shirk void. A hashin a gurney ulivianity, as a hashin conver, compishing, it has creaking fossil in arsters, could be a galliene, lecour, goes like glory, goes like grass. The kind of figure minister, there is a chacker of a hecker, could be a maladish, there is could be a tosh gas bionic, there is nash, there is studi. There is in a vianity hashin a kind of hig and yang, nahil conver in your knock. A rislant, you can see that 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 you can Lilane uh, do Gotta <laughs> Nirvatkrain <laughs> It is going to be 
a gurney, trich, a rouncehuk because trich, a chin hook, a catahook, a chin fatigarage, Schnuckunnenesch <laughs> So let's pray about that for a moment. Lord God, we thank you for uh, your word, the Bible, and we thank you uh, that you make it so clear to us, Father, that if we want to come to you, if we want to know the, the life and the peace and the joy and the satisfaction that you alone can give, we thank you that the only way that we can come is through Jesus Christ, your Son and our Saviour. We thank you that he came to this world to take our sin away so that we, if we are trusting in him, can find that we have a place reserved for us in heaven, a place that he has prepared for us because we are trusting in him. So help us all, Lord, we pray, uh, to be trusting in Jesus, to be looking to his cross, to be trusting in all that he has done for us so that we can know that we are safe in this world because you are with us and we are safe forever uh, in heaven because the door has been opened by Jesus for us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We're going to uh, read from God's Word from Matthew uh, chapter 6. But before we go there, we're going to read just a short passage uh, from Luke chapter 11. Uh, So we'll read just the first few verses of Luke chapter 11, and then we'll flick over to Matthew chapter 6 so you can keep a finger in both. So Luke chapter 11, uh, first of all, and the first four verses. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then if we go over to uh, Matthew chapter 6, and we'll read from verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6, down to verse 15. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, he says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. 
Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Amen. And may God bless that reading of his word to us. Let's pray just for a moment as we turn back to uh, God's word. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the words of that hymn that we've sung uh, that remind us of the the wonder of your love for us, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you've given us these indications, these tokens of your your love to us in in, uh, the Word and in uh, the giving of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that as the Word is read and as the truth of Scripture is brought to us, the Holy Spirit himself, he carries it uh, to us and presses it in into our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for the experiences that uh, we have on occasions where uh, the peace of God or the love of God or that sense of the, the presence of God over, overwhelms us and we have that assurance, that experience of your love. And yet we know, Lord, that our experiences, they can come and go. And uh, we thank you, Lord, that uh, we have the truth of Scripture in in Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we thank you that the greatest measure of your love for us is seen in the cross of Jesus. This is love, says John the Apostle. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. So help us, Lord, we pray, to see that afresh tonight. Uh, We say so often we must not drift from the cross. And we pray that we would not drift from the cross. We pray that even this evening we would take time to, to meditate upon the wonder of all that was done for us to unlock the door of heaven so that we who are sinners could, through the finished work of Christ, find the salvation that is offered to us. So help us, Lord, to see Jesus. Help us to hear the voice of Jesus. Help us to to feel the presence of Jesus amongst us. Uh, He said, even where two or three uh, meet in my name, I will be there. And so we pray, Lord, that we would know your presence and that the word of God would come to us in the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray again, Lord, for other congregations uh, near to us and far from us that meet as we do and open your word. We pray for places nearby where uh, there is freedom and there is opportunity uh, to to meet and worship. We thank you, Lord, that we still have that uh, freedom in this country and we pray on uh, for the protection of of that in this land. But we think of other places uh, that we've heard of in past months where your church is persecuted, where we have brothers and sisters in the Lord who, who do not have the, 
the, the luxury of being able to gather in this way. And we pray for them where they are. And we ask, Lord, that you would uphold them and that you would bless them, that you would meet with them and that you would continue to build your church as you are, Lord, even and especially in places where uh, things are toughest. We pray, Lord, for places where ministry is entering a new chapter. We think of Carloway this week as they look forward to the induction of Thomas Davis. And we pray for Thomas and for uh, Una and the family. We ask, Lord, that as he returns to Carloway, that uh, you would continue to bless him and use him. Uh, We pray that you would continue to work in that place, Lord. And we we thank you, Lord, for making uh, it clear to Thomas and the family Uh, that your desire is that they would be back uh, in this place. So bless them, Lord. We know that unless the the Lord builds the house, we labour in vain. And so we pray that you would be building your church in that congregation and uh, in this place also. Enable us not to drift from you, because apart from you, Lord, we know we can do nothing. But uh, enable us as as a people to stay close to you and to be used for your glory. So hear our prayers and uh, bless us as we open your word. Guide us and lead us in our thinking, in our speaking, uh, and in our responses that uh, we may uh, have faith, the faith that you give to us. And may we live lives, we pray, that will be pleasing to you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. If you could have Matthew chapter um, 6 open in front of you just now, that would be helpful. Sometimes when we're travelling, whether it's we're travelling from A to B here in Harris or whether uh, we're travelling a greater area of land, uh, we can be uh, en route to a place and uh, a certain name or a certain spot, a scenic uh, position will catch your eye and we'll we'll think as we're going along the road, uh, I must stop there someday. I don't have time to stop there today, but uh, I must go back there uh, one day and uh, and take a closer look. I'm heading down to Keswick every year. There's various places that catch the eye, and I always think, it'd be nice to go and have a look there. But um, it can be hard to find the time to stop and go and have a look. But tonight, that's what I kind of hope we're going to do. And over the next few weeks in the evenings, I want to to take a closer look at what we've come to, to know as the, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we, we kind of scooted past it at uh, fairly high speed a couple of weeks ago uh, in the morning studies. And I want to just pause and uh, take a few weeks, take a, a closer look at the Lord's Prayer. I think the Sunday School are actually looking at the Lord's Prayer just uh, now as well. So we're, we're kind of joining with them in this uh, study that Jesus gives us and how uh, we pray. And it's necessary that we do that because the Lord's Prayer is something that isn't very well known in Scotland these days. If I was to ask all of us to recite the Lord's Prayer by memory, I think for many of us we'd be struggling because it's not something that we're taught these days as uh, was taught in, in the past. Farrakhan, when he shared his testimony last Sunday evening, Uh, spoke, I think, about the fact that every morning in school, they began with the Lord's Prayer. So every child that passed through the the education system in Harris some years ago, they knew it off by heart. And in his own home, I think he spoke about 
uh, last thing at night, uh, uh, praying the Lord's Prayer. Something that was part of the fabric of, of our, our being brought up in past generations. But today, uh, most children and many adults don't know the Lord's Prayer. So I think it's necessary that we, that we pause and we take a, a closer look. And although we came across it in Luke chapter 11 a, a couple of weeks back, I want to, to root our studies in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, the parallel passage, uh, simply because we have a fuller version of the Lord's Prayer. And in Luke chapter 11, we've got various footnotes that take us different places. But in Matthew chapter 6, we have a, a more straightforward account, a fuller version of uh, the Lord's Prayer. So how does it begin? If you've got the passage open in front of you. Um, how does it begin? Well, we see in verse 9 that it begins with these two amazing words. Our Father. Our Father. And that's as far as we're going to get tonight. We'll look at the, the two opening words of this prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray. And uh, we'll consider... Uh, what they mean, what they, what they teach us. And there's three points in the time that we have and we'll, we'll uh, endeavour to finish before seven. Uh, the first point is our Father teaches us who Jesus was and is. So these two words, they teach us about the identity of Jesus. And the second point is that these opening words, our Father, they, they teach us who we are. As individuals, they teach us about our identity, who we truly primarily are. And the final thing uh, that we'll see in uh, looking at these opening two words is that uh, these words, our Father, they teach us who we are as family. Because if we're trusting in Jesus, uh, we are connected. We are brought together as the family of God with, with God as our Father. So that kind of gives us the structure for our thoughts this evening. And the first point uh, then is our Father teaches us who Jesus was and is. Now, when we come to uh, these verses and when we hear Jesus saying to his disciples back then and to us today, uh, this then is how you should pray, our Father. That doesn't stun us. And I can see it doesn't stun us from the expressions around the room. We've heard this before. It doesn't kind of a, have a, a huge impact on us when we hear these opening words, when Jesus says, this is how you should pray. This is what I want you to say, our Father. That kind of goes over our heads, perhaps. But when this was first heard, this would have absolutely stunned the Jews of the first century. R.C. Sproul uh, says that uh, Jesus was making a, a radical departure from Jewish tradition when he addressed God as Father. This was unknown, to come in prayer before uh, the God of heaven and earth and to call him Father. There are prayers where uh, the, the, the Jewish rabbis would, would think about God and his sovereign power, his creative uh, might, his majesty, his holiness, but they would never dare to see our Father. R.C. Sproul says, when Jesus referred to God as Father, his contemporaries, the Pharisees, for example, would become enraged. 
They understood that in calling God his father, he was making himself equal with God. By addressing God in this familiar form, Jesus was indicating a profound sense of intimacy between himself and God, showing that he was the unique son of God. Why does Jesus call God father? (coughs) Because he is God the son. So we've been taught here about the identity of Christ. Sometimes we can be maybe sitting in a cafe or we can be sitting in an airport or we can be sitting in a a, a train station or or somewhere in a public space. And uh, there's maybe a big group of people that are around us and we're kind of lugging into conversations. We can't help but hear uh, the the conversations. My mind goes back to the day that uh, a few of us went to Romania and we were in the airport and there was a big crowd of us. Taffy was there and Kenny was there and Peggy was there and various other people were, were all sitting at this big table. And anybody who was listening in to the, the laughing and the garlic and the jokes, and the, they would have been thinking, who are these people? You know, are they friends? Are they family? What's the nature of the relationship? They're a strange bunch in the nicest possible way. But as we listen in to to groups of people who are who are conversing, uh, we, we fairly quickly get an understanding of their family. Because they're using words like mum and dad for, for one. And as we hear Jesus teaching his disciples uh, how to pray, and as we listen into the prayers of Jesus in the gospel uh, messages as they're recorded for us, we see that every time that Jesus prays, except one time, he addresses God as Father. And he, in doing so, makes it clear that he is God the Son. Just out of interest, the the, the one occasion where Jesus does not pray saying, Father, is that occasion on the cross where Jesus cries out in prayer, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And one commentator, Boyce, he, he says that prayer was wrung from Christ's lips at the moment in which he was made sin for mankind and in which the relationship he had with his father was temporarily broken. So the only time that Jesus didn't pray uh, saying our father uh, was, was on that moment where our sins were on his shoulders, where the father turned his face away from the son on account of our sin. In that moment, Jesus could not say father. But in every other prayer, Jesus prayed, Father. So the first thing that we learn uh, as we consider these opening words of this prayer uh, concerns the identity of Jesus. Who is he? Well, he's the son of God. And that's no trivial point of of kind of uh, vague interest or minor importance. Uh, This is a point of crucial importance. We need to see that Jesus is God the Son. Because if we don't see that, if we don't believe that, if we don't accept that, we can't be saved. We might get all kinds of accolades in this world. We we might uh, find that uh, we have a whole portfolio of good works and have a great reputation in the realm of religion. But if we don't see that Jesus is God the Son, we can't be saved. So we need to see this. That's why Mark in his gospel, uh, from chapter 1, verse 1, is desperate to show us that Jesus is God the Son. Mark chapter 1, verse 1, what does he say? Well, Mark, in his own uh, direct way, we can imagine Peter sitting beside him saying, write this, write this. 
the opening words of his gospel, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's what I want you to see, he says. Everything that follows here is so that you'll see Jesus is the Son of God. John in his gospel is a bit more leisurely in, in, in his pace. He records uh, many of the signs and the miracles that Jesus performed. Uh, and as the gospel comes to an end, he shares the purpose of it with us. He says in, in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. There is no life. There is no salvation. There is no hope for us unless we see and understand and believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, as I said with the children, there is no way into heaven unless we see and believe and accept that Jesus is the only way. He's the Son of God. So do you and I see this? Is the question. Uh, do you and I believe that Jesus is the Son of God? It's not enough to say that he was a, a, a nice man, a kind man, a good teacher, a prophet of God. You and I need to see and believe that he is the Son of God. So the first thing that we're, we're taught... Uh, through this prayer is that Jesus in calling God Father is showing us that he is the Son. The second point, uh, the second thing that we see in and through this prayer is that uh, these opening words are Father. They, they teach us who we are. Not just who, who Jesus is, but we're, we're taught here about who we are uh, as, as individuals. So as Jesus addresses God as Father... Uh, he, he teaches his disciples, uh, those that, that believe in him, uh, those who trust in him, those who follow him. He teaches them to, to use the same words. Jesus says, as he prays, our Father. But he says to the disciples, because you are my disciples, because you're trusting me, because you believe in me, you too can address God as, as your Father. And if we are to call God Father, what does that make us? Well, it makes us children of God. What is your identity at the absolute core, primary level? You and I are children of God. We're trusting in Christ. That's who we are. You might be a McLeod. You might be a McDonald. You might be a McKinnon. You might be a whatever. But at the actual center of our identity, we are children of God if we are in Christ. We're children of the devil if we're not. But that's another sermon for another night. But our identity... If we are in Jesus, as we are, we are children of God. And that's a, a truth that's so necessary for us to, to actually get hold of today. Because I think today, uh, you know, more than any other time uh, that uh, is in living memory, uh, there is such confusion and dismay over the identity, uh, over the issue of our identities. We don't know who we are. At the cultural level today, uh, we have no idea who we are. And people are, are trying harder than ever to discover who on earth are we. And if we let this world uh, and the philosophy of this world guide us on this journey to finding ourselves, almost certainly we'll be guided to a place where, where everything centers around our gender and our sexuality. That's strong thinking. 
minister I work uh, closely with uh, has a, a granddaughter who's just gone to nursery in Inverness. She's age three. The first letter that she got home from the nursery uh, to the parents uh, was a letter encouraging the parents to, to think through the issues of whether this girl was actually just a girl. Maybe she was a boy trapped in the body of a girl. Had they given any kind of thought to, to issues of, of gender identity like this? She's three years old. There's confusion that there's crisis over her identity. You know, when there are 64 terms that we can choose from to describe gender identity and expression, I think that suggests we are living uh, through an age of crisis and confusion over our identity. Who on earth are we? We've got a whole alphabet to choose from. But, you know, this doesn't just relate to our, to our gender. You know, for some, their identity is all wrapped up in work. Who are you? Well, it's, it's who you are in your job. For others, it's, it's all to do with their grades and whether they pass or fail and what level of pass or fail. For others, it's their, it's their looks, how good they look. That's what defines them. But the problem with all these things is that when these things start to go badly, when our work starts to go badly, when we fail an exam, when our good looks start to fade with age, there's a total crisis of identity. And the reason for that crisis is that uh, our identity is built on the wrong things. We're looking for identity and, and belonging and security in the long, wrong places. So what do we need to do? Where do we need to go? We need to open the Bible. Because God has something to say to us about all this. Uh, God, the, the one who made us, uh, he is the one who speaks with clarity into this age of confusion. So who are we? Well, according to God's word, we are God's children. That's our identity. And in one sense, you could say we're all children of God made in his image. Uh, he is our creator. Malachi uh, 2 verse 10 says, Have we not all one Father? Did not one God create us? So at one level, uh, we're all children of God. He is our maker. But we've been made for a reason. We've been made for a purpose. And that purpose is to be uh, with God. Our purpose is to be in relationship uh, with God. So we ask the question, why are so many not in a relationship with God? And the answer is because of sin. Sin came into this world. We go all the way back to Genesis. It severed the relationship with God. And we see that distance that was there in the garden. At first, Adam and Eve, they walked uh, in that intimacy with God. Sin came in, they hide from him. The relationship is broken. That's the bad news. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came into this world. God the Son came into this world to make it possible for sinners like us to be reconciled with God. What did Jesus do? Well, he went to a cross to take our, our sin from us. He died to pay the wages of our sin. And as he died, remember what happened? The curtain in the temple that separated uh, people from that holy place where God was, it was torn from top, from heaven, to bottom, to show that the way back into God's presence was now open for those who will believe in Jesus, for those who will trust in his finished work. And if you and I have trusted 
in Jesus, the, the Son of God, if we are disciples of, of Jesus, then we can call God our Father. We, we can come in prayer this evening. And we can approach the most holy God. The God is so pure that he, he cannot look upon sin. The all-powerful God, the all-wise God, we can come to him. We can call him our Father. We are children of God. That's our identity. That's who we are as individuals. That's where our, our true, secure, eternal identity is. We are through Jesus, through his life and death and resurrection. We are children of God. Seems almost too good to be true. But Jesus teaches it. So it must be true. God's word uh, makes it clear to us time after time. Uh, so it must be true. So let me give you just a few texts to, to, to back this up before we uh, come to an end. Uh, John chapter 1 verses 12 and 13 says to all who received him, to all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, not of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. It is God speaking, not me. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 to 8. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. I'll give you one more. Galatians 4, verse 5 to 7. God sent the Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are God's sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. So this is what is offered to us. If we believe in Jesus, if we trust Christ as Savior, uh, if we believe in him uh, as the Son of God, we are brought into the family of God. And we can pray as we are taught, saying, Our Father. Now, when I prepared this, I had no word of Father's Day. I didn't realize it was Father's Day until last night. But I'm conscious that to use the word Father can be, can be difficult for some. Uh, some have grown up in families where they've known the love and care of a father. Uh, some have grown up in families where they've never known a father, uh, where they haven't been well loved and cared for by an earthly father. And so to use the word father can be difficult. But I think what we need to see here is that our heavenly father, no matter what our experience has been, our heavenly father, uh, he is good and his love is pure and his love is deep. And his love for us is, is constant and unconditional and eternal. He'll never disappoint us. He'll never let us down. He, he'll never hurt us in some cruel way. He is completely trustworthy. He's our father. 
So as the hymn goes, O come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he has done. And the final thing, I'll give it to you in just one minute. Our Father teaches us who we are as family. Because this is bigger than just you and me as individuals. This is a family thing. Notice when Jesus teaches them to pray, he doesn't take them aside as individuals and say, when you pray, say, my Father. No, he says to the disciples as they're gathered together, when you pray, say, our Father. Plural. And that reminds us of the fact that we are not on our own. If we are trusting in Christ, if God is our Father, we are part of a family. We are part of an eternal family that that crosses borders and languages and denominations and everything. That's why we sang uh, Psalm 133, in case you're wondering. Reminds us that we we live together as, as brothers and sisters in Christ with God as our Father. You know, one of the, the most painful things that we can experience in life is when we lose family members in death. And we can go from a, a position of, of feeling uh, so secure in a family to all of a sudden feeling so alone. But as we pray, our Father, we're reminded that we're not alone. If we are in Christ, uh, we are part of a family. Uh, we have brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world. So let's be encouraged to lean on each other a bit. Let's be encouraged to care for each other. You know, we're in such an individualistic culture. We're frightened to approach each other. God's word challenges that. If you're in Christ, uh, you have brothers and sisters all over the place. Some of them are doing well and they're encouraged. Some of them are struggling and they need you. So let's be encouraged Uh, to see each other, to love each other, to care for each other as part of the family that we are in. One of the the reasons that the early church, the first century church, grew so quickly was because the world looked in. And this is the quote that they had to say about the early church. They said, uh, see how they love each other. They look like a family. And how good it would be if the community looked in on us and said the same thing. See how they love each other. They look like a family. And families are always a bit weird. It's always a bit messy. There's always odd things going on. But there's love. There's stickability. There's care. There's concern. So just two words in the prayer. Our Father. But they are full of amazing truth about who Jesus is. As God the Son. And who we are. If We are trusting in him. Give you a quote from uh, Thomas Watson to finish. He says, what is it that makes God our father? Answer, faith. Galatians 3.26. You are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. You want to be part of this family of God. You want to know God as father. You want to be assured of a place in that heavenly home. You want to know the assurance of, of sins forgiven, life eternal. What do we have to do? Simply believe that Jesus is God the Son. Ask him to be your saviour. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the privilege of being able to, to call you our Father. And we recognise that all this has been made possible through Jesus Christ, your Son. Enable us to see him for who he is, 
and to believe in him as our saviour. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with us all both now and forevermore. Amen.